0: Welcome to Alosa Fumar Takes. This is our 202nd take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, as always, Barry Duplessis, and I'm so pleased, so proud, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. We welcome back one of the greats. I always say we were separated at birth. Not really, because I think he's a little older, but he looks a little younger. It's one of those things. But we'll get to formal introductions in a second. But before we do, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Recently, Drew Estate announced that their prize, Liga Pravada H99, the hybrid 99 Connecticut Brojo, is now available as a regular production cigar exclusively to qualifying Drew Diplomat program participants. While all Liga Pravada cigars have limited production capacity due to the rarity of the tobacco leaves used in each offering, the magnificent Kappa leaves are from the Connecticut River Valley that stand as the hallmark for each Liga Pravada expression remain by far the most difficult component to procure. This has been especially true for the Liga Pravada H99 Connecticut Corojo. Just one Connecticut River Valley farmer cultivates Liga uh, Pravada H99 Cor- Connecticut Corojo's Kappa Leaf, a hybrid delivered from stock cut Habano and Connecticut Corojo tobaccos that have grown exclusively for Drew Estate. So check out your Drew Diplomat retailer today and pick up one of the Liga Bravada H99 Connecticut Corojo uh, cigars. They are one to cherish. And we also uh, welcome everyone in for our 202nd take. I can't believe I've done over 200 of these. It is my pleasure, my privilege, my honor to welcome back the one, the only, the chief of the Broadleaf. Yes, he is Nick Melillo of Foundation Cigars. Nick, how are we doing tonight?
1: Oh fumare, great to see you, man. Thank oh, you for having me. Him. It's a pleasure.
0: Oh, the honor is mine, sir. The honor is mine as always. I'm 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 really excited to have you on tonight. We're we got something a little a little special in the mix. Uh, didn't quite of work out as planned, but we're we're rolling through and we're rolling with it. So I'm I'm extremely really excited for it. So um so but before before we kind of get into the 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 fun part of the night. I, I I wanted to bring up something that I saw when I was, I was kind of just, I guess, perusing the periodicals. Um, I know that's kind of, uh, you know, weird. No one does that like anymore, it. but, but, uh,
1: perusing I, the periodicals. You don't hear that too much. No, you things.
0: don't. But I tell you what, I was really excited. And I, I, I have, I was really excited to see that a piece was done on you. Um, that was picked up by the Birmingham times, but it was a it was a piece originally wrote uh, by uh, Percy Crawford, who is a who's a writer for Percy. for Zenger, which is another publication yeah. It was picked up by Birmingham Times. So, I, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of you know, widespread about these, you know, mainstream, you know, mainstream, um, you know, news outlets and everything. And it was just a, it was a bio piece on you. I mean, I mean, it was it was a great piece. I've heard most of the stuff in there, a couple of new things that I hadn't heard before about it, but it was a great article, really well written by Percy. I mean, how did that, how did that piece come to be? What, what what came about from that? That's so
1: awesome. You saw that, man. It's great to hear uh, some, some feedback. Um, I Percy reached out to me and, um, to be honest with you, you know, I, I wasn't really aware of, of, um, you know, who he was writing for or anything or the, you know, the magnitude of it and Percy called me up and, uh, we did a great interview. It was a pleasure to talk to, trying to give a little, you know, more information and and uh, not do the same old, same old in my interviews, spice it up a little bit, but it was uh, just sort of happened. Yeah, I get reached out. Uh, I think he sent a, a message on our info page and uh, my assistant there in the office hooked it up. Well, that's
0: that's really great. He um is, is he a cigar smoker? Do you it's know him? He y'all is. Car? He okay. is.
1: And he's definitely a newer smoker. So it was really cool. I think just for him to, to talk and have a conversation and, and learn a bit more um, also about the Connecticut river Valley, where we have foundations headquarters. So I think that was really interesting to him. So it was nice to talk to, you know, a smoker that's more of a common, common smoker and, kind of educate a newer smoker because he was definitely loving, loving the information. So I think that helped with the article, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really, like I said, I thought it was really well done. You could tell it was like, that's why I was asking. Cause you could tell he, he'd either done his incredible, he might've, he might be both. He was incredibly well-researched, um, but you could tell that there was a little bit of cigar knowledge there too. That's why I was asking. Um, yeah. but it was written really well for the layman too, who like had no idea about any of this and, and, and it really gave a great insight to you. And I thought it, it's I amazing thought, you know,
1: when, how you, you write different articles and the way different writers are able to communicate messages. It's pretty amazing sometimes to see, uh, and he, he definitely did, did a great job. Um, uh, layman's terms, I like simplify it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tend to get a little too into it, you know, and it can, sometimes you could, it can go over the layman's head sometimes, you know?
0: Well, I, I think that's what's really great about our conversations, Nick, that we've had. Like we've, we've, we've kind of, you know, in the green room right before we started, you're like, what are we doing? Are we just talking smack or, or what? But I mean, like we can have that conversation, but we can also like nerd out to like a level that, you know, probably like you and I and maybe a handful of people like appreciate of you know, yeah. tobacco I'm sure you got thing. a lot of
1: nerds watching this show.
0: I do, I do. I, I feel like I do. I've I've got some. I've got the right nerds. I've got the right nerds, as they say. So that's good.
1: I uh, include myself in that absolutely. in that categorization. But I don't I, want any any viewers to get offended.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think you know. I've heard you and several people in this industry say it. Like you're a you're a cigar smoker first. You know and you know, while you're, you're, you're a manufacturer and brand owner there, you're, you're still, you still love cigars. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a passion that's, you know, hasn't gone away, you know? Um, So that, that's curious to me. I was thinking about this the other day too, before we kind of launch in here, like, um, I mean, do you, do you, especially in the last two years, have you been able to smoke other, like other stuff that's out there? Or, I mean, I know you're really focused in, on your business and you, you, uh, still work tirelessly, but.
1: I am, man. I smoke other people's stuff here and there, but definitely, um, I, I get smoked out a lot. You know, I got three boxes of my stuff here. I'm always testing every week. You know, I start with different boxes, different sizes and kind of smoke through them. And I can't, you know, quality control check every stick, but I do my best to, you know, make sure batches are on point and, uh, you know, the consistencies there. Just as you said, I'm a cigar smoker first. So I understand first and foremost, You, know, when you're spending your hard earned dollars on sticks, you know, the last thing you want, or I want somebody to have is a bad experience. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I don't get to smoke a lot of people's stuff. Um, but I do dabble here and there. Um, it's crazy because I was buying that bottle of don't tell anybody that tequila. Um, uh, <laughs> and they had a humidor in the shop. And don't kill me. I hope you guys, you guys are gonna you're gonna kill me after I bought a Macanudo inspirado just to just to see which, what's which going one which on. one? No,
0: there's there's several. It's a it?
1: Robusto, uh is she orange
0: label? The orange one, okay.
1: Yeah, this one show so, uh, well you grew, so you yeah, grew, grew up you grew
0: up on that brand so that's kind of got to be like nostalgic kind of going I'm, back to it on, on I, when grew, yeah
1: when i st- when i started man it was you know 90 it's really 95 macanudo was being made in kingston jamaica and mm-hmm. uh that was one of the earlier cigars that i smoked that and excalibur number threes um both in the, the broadleaf and connecticut shade but macanudo in 95 96 um, I haven't smoked a Macanudo in probably 10 years. So that's why I picked one up. Um, I'll tell you what I did during the pandemic on uh, like the first month. The first year I started smoking my pipe every morning. So I got really big back into my pipes
0: yeah, I because my grandfather,
1: yeah, he passed. And I, I did it for him for like a year, lit up a bowl almost every day in his honor so that was that was kind of nice. Um, and then I ended up opening a box of Padrone 40th that I had gotten from Jorge Padron in like 2010 at the Nicaraguan Cigar Festival oh. for charity. Wow. And I and I it was sitting in my humidor for it, this beautiful box. I have it. I have like maybe five sticks left. I, sm- I was smoking those. I said, you know, life's too short. I got to smoke these babies. Um, so I was smoking those, you know, I love um, Dion from Illusion. I'm a big fan of, of Illusion. I love Dion stuff. I love his, not only his cigars and his palette, but, but his branding and uh, you know, just the whole style of Illusion. I'm a big fan of those. Um, I've always been a big Padron guy. It's just, you know, how I've always three thousand Padron Maduro's used to be one of my staples. Um, I was a big Fuente guy, but I really just don't get to smoke enough. I should to test everything out, but I usually do it when somebody says, "Hey, try this. This is really good." You know, I I really enjoyed this, and um, but otherwise, I get that with Cuban sometimes. You know. Trying Cubans, but you know, it's I just rare like, I get one there I'm blown yeah, away. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say, I feel like, you know, for all the the blustering and everything, like, you know, all of back and forth and stuff like that. I just the inconsistencies of the the Habano cigars that I've gotten in the last couple of years have just been it's just been it's just been unfortunate, right? Because
1: I, I want know. somebody to do a case study. Because I find it the f- most fascinating. Cuban cigars, you know, we know it's the mystique and you can't get them. Right. But to many people in the market, in the brand, has the prestige of the highest quality. And yet the reality is quite the opposite. Right. Compared to Nicaraguan, Dominicans, Hondurans, you're getting four, five, six sticks in the Cuban boxes that don't draw, are terrible quality. And the consumers, Consumers, you know, I talked to one of the guys that runs uh, some some Habano's SA stores. I said, well, what do you do when these customers are paying these prices and they don't, do you take them back to your return? He's like, no, they just, everybody just eats them. It's,
0: yeah, it's an it's exceptional It's fascinating to yeah, me. It's an exceptional organization. It's fascinating. Their- right. Yeah, that no, people I've- still go and smoke them. That right. They are consistently smoking them. It's unbelievable. No, I and I had this. I've had this discussion a couple of times, but like, like let's face it, Nick. Like honestly, like you, you, you make some incredible cigars. You you partner with some incredible factories that are actually known for technical, you know, perfection or or damn near close to it, right? If yeah. if people started saying that about Foundation cigars, like, oh, you got to go, like, you got to buy a box you know what four or five of them are probably going to be like plugged and bliss or what, or whatnot won't burn. But the rest of them are money. Like the, the other person's going to just tell them like, you're crazy. Go take a walk. Like that's just not acceptable. But for, and that's, that that's unbelievable that, it, that, that the exceptional, exceptional ex, accepted margin of error still with that is on Habano. So they're like, that's Oh, why well.
1: I think some like a business school or something should do a case study on this whole thing because it really is interesting the psychology of it. Yeah, I. You know?
0: shoot, I'd read it. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding Same me? Here. You know, it'd be unbelievable. So, well, Nick, let's kind of jump into it here. Like we, uh, I, I, I invite you on to be on tonight, and I um, was really excited. So last time I had you on, um, like I said, this is my two hundred second take. I had you back in the 130s. Nice. Um Wow. So it's 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 been it's been a bit, but we, uh, we talked tequila that night and, uh, and it was a specific tequila that I was drinking that I love. I've just fallen in love with it. Uh, Corralejo Reposado. And they're like, yeah, I'd have to try it. I was like, man, let's, 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 let me get you taken care of. And like, I, I messed, I messed up. I didn't, I never got you that bottle. And I was like, well, let's, let's, let's rectify that. And uh, so I, you were kind enough to me to give me your address so I could, I could send you the bottle, and. as fate would have it tonight we've got <laughs> we had we had some interesting interesting mishap with it but you still got the bottle there at least that's that's the that's the main thing uh i don't <laughs> but you do uh so- the biggest
1: bottle i've ever seen in my life <laughs> the only that's, had the 1, i hope you like it <laughs> 750 minutes. i i can't wait i got it i got a little pour here going that's awesome. So cool. I got my cr- I got my crystal out.
0: There you go. I'm still moving, so right. I, I I shamelessly have a, I shamelessly have a plastic cup here. But I'm it's I'm it works. I'm it drinking works. Uh, the Maestro Doble uh, Anejo uh, Tequila tonight. And um, uh, just the reason why I'm not uh, partaking in the the tequila that I was raving about that night with Nick tonight is because I went to go grab a bottle out of my case, and uh, yeah, during the move. <laughs> uh all the remaining bottles i had left are are uh gone (laughs) they did not they did not make it so um but uh that's all good it's all good we're drinking tequila tonight and we're smoking uh we're smoking the uh the og man we are smoking the og
1: original well wednesday so you're smoking the corona right
0: the corona gora that was that was what you told me to do yes And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. So this is the Corona Gorda. So it's the five and five eighths by forty six. Totally in my totally in my wheelhouse. Uh, I love robustos and coronas. Corona Gorda, that that size cigar. These are totally my jam. But this is the one that um, I mean, obviously, put you on the map because it's the original blend that started Foundation Cigars. But this is also the one that kind of you know proverbially put on you on the map because this was the uh, this was the very cigar and vitola that made it on the top 25 list that first year, right?
1: That is correct. Yeah. First year out of the gates, we got uh, top 25. I'm just posting this link here on our Instagram. So try to get some more people in there. There we go. I just posted it. Um, So yeah. So our first, you know, our first blend and brand, this was the first brand we came to market in 2015. We launched at the show uh, 2015, started shipping late September, early October. This brand means everything to me because of course it's our first brand, but it also represents my time, you know, in Nicaragua and the cigar industry. So the OG Wednesday, we were honored to get, you know, the consensus number one cigar of the year that year, which was really awesome to get, you know, all the guys online have it be number one. And then towards the end of the year, we ended up getting top 25 cigar aficionado, which was a great honor. But, um, you know, 100% Nicaraguan blend, filler binder wrapper. The Wawense really represents Nicaragua itself. I mean, it's really the heart and soul of, of Nicaraguan culture and the Nicaraguan people. Doesn't matter what political affiliation, what religion you come from in Nicaragua, every Nicaraguan can identify with Wednesday as being you know, unique to, to Nicaragua and its culture. So I thought it was uh, a perfect imagery to really complement 100% Nicaraguan blend. And I hope you're smoking as, as well as mine is, because right now it's, it's hitting quite nice.
0: It's starting off really good. So let's get into tonight's bear and this is tonight's major point and tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people cigar people the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind, <laughs> behind the fun is a motivation for service a motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the lawman series Bass Reeves protocol has always been about honor passion and yes. People, it's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P protocol cigars. So, um, I wanted like we we, we said we wanted to nerd out a little bit here. So, Nick, what is it about this? Let's let, let me break down this one. You kind of talked about it a little bit. This is Nicaraguan Crojo 99 wrapper, Nicaraguan right. Crojo 99 binder, um, yeah. and then also Nicaraguan in the filler. So, it's a Nicaraguan Piro, um. Yeah. Manufactured at uh, Tapsa, correct?
1: Correct. Yep. And
0: correct. Uh, and that actually showed...
1: happened because yeah, Dion, because of Dion from Illusion. So I had been dealing with you know in Nicaragua since two thousand three, buying leaf um, over the years, and then Dion and I met back in Nicaragua in about 09. So I had just really just departed. DE and Dion happened to be in Nicaragua and he said, why don't you come over to the factory and, and see what's going on. And, uh, you know, I had never really worked with those guys wrappers before growing. Now there's much more wrapper being grown in Nicaragua than I've seen since, you know, 2003, generally speaking, there was not much wrapper leaf being grown in Nicaragua because of the sun exposure The soil, very difficult, incredible filler, strength, body, flavor, really difficult to grow wrapper. So these guys at at Agonorsa were some of the first ones to really start early on, and it took some time for, for it really to develop. Um, so I hadn't worked with much Nicaraguan rapper over the years, and I knew the first project I wanted to do. I'd never done with my previous, uh, you know, employer uh, a full 100% Nicaraguan blend that came to market. It's true. So, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. Okay.
0: that's true. So
1: I I thought it was perfect, you know, for, as a first debut blend and brand. I really wanted to do 100% Nicaraguan filler binder wrapper, which is, again, tough to do. The wrapper is grown under, you know, the cheesecloth tents in Jalapa. Um, Jalapa makes it a little bit easier to grow wrapper leaf just because of the soil and climate up there. The growing under the cheesecloth tents, was re- it was developed in Connecticut right. in the early 1900s, which is a fascinating story i don't know how deep you want to get but um just roll go back to 1902 1901 there was a gentleman in in windsor connecticut what was happening in the market at the time is that the dutch were growing a lot of wrapper in, in sumatra and because of the climate in sumatra and where they were growing their tobacco they got a lot of shade from the jungles where they were growing so that shaded the sunlight and they were able to produce Sumatra wrapper so an incredible yield from the plant because of this lack of sun exposure because of the the jungles so Connecticut was getting crushed by the Sumatra leaf in the market this is late 1800s early 1900s so the Department of Agriculture started working on this problem because we were growing broadleaf and Cuban seed at the time but the yields that were coming from the Sumatra wrapper were just you know if you're a manufacturer and at that time a lot you you didn't have vertical integration as much right if you were a manufacturer you were a manufacturer so as a manufacturer you're looking for high yields you know wrapper leaf that's going to work it's not going to be as difficult on the production floor and that sumatra leaf was used uh, were they stopped cutting.
0: Ahead. were they stock cutting that early that too because then yield is yield no. is that much more important at that point too
1: not this you're talking about the sumatra or the um in connecticut for the in in connecticut in connecticut that is actually a really great question bear that i do not know i they were i do not know that um so i don't know cuban seed they were priming i'm going to say 85 percent they were priming but i'm going to double check that um Priming really started to happen as the cost of late. I mean, the stock cutting as the cost of labor started going up. Shade was always primed in the Valley, right? But I'm going to say because of the Cuban seed, they were priming it, but I'm going to actually double check that. That's a, that's a great question. Um, regardless, they were, they were getting creamed, uh by the yields because Broadleaf is just not really a wrapper style plant if you see it growing in the fields it looks like a filler plant shorter it's stockier you know you're in the four foot range really big leaves falls over you get a lot of breakage the cuban seed in connecticut is a little bit better it's growing straight up but tremendous amount of oil so they were just getting killed by the sumatra leaf at the time so the department of agriculture hybridized we're working on creating something to compete with the Dutch and the Sumatra and they hybridized broadleaf, Cuban seed and Sumatra seed and that gave birth to Connecticut shade. Then this guy, uh, I think his name was Barber, interestingly enough, ended up (laughs) planting the tobacco under cheesecloth shaded tents to mimic the conditions of the Sumatran jungles. So that's really when it started. So mimicking those conditions, that cheesecloth, what, what happens is, is it starts, it creates a microclimate under the tent where your humidity level, moisture level's going up 10%. It's a little bit hotter, but you're not getting that sun exposure. Hence the plant starts growing much taller, mm-hmm. the leaves much thinner, vein structure much thinner and that really gave birth to you know Connecticut shade and Connecticut shade ended up you know really dominating all through the 1900s until the late 1980s they took the seed down to Ecuador interestingly enough and the Dutch were still involved in that so the Dutch got their revenge uh essentially and since the (laughs) late 1980s those damn Dutch <laughs> because of the cloud cover in Ecuador, the seed Connecticut shade seed took really well. Uh, because you don't have to put the tents up, you have a natural tent in the the cloud cover. This really like gray thin cloud cover produces wrapper. Okay, let's hit
0: wrapper. Let's hit the pause on this because I I want to talk about this. You brought it up. I was actually going to mention this. So Ecuador. Okay. So. Yeah. It was another manufacturer who comes out with the cigar and, and I'm not going to call him out. Um, but he talked about how his, the wrapper was grown in Ecuador and it was, yeah. it was this particular seed variant, right. That we're talking about grown in yeah. grown in Ecuador. And he referred to it as cloud grown. And I said, don't you mean sun grown? And he says, no cloud grown. I was like, so shade grown and he's like no bear cloud grown and honestly man i thought it was full of shit. so like you're this yeah, yeah. that's an actual thing we're talking about cloud yeah okay yeah yeah so he was not yeah, yeah. he was not just cloud making grown. up something cloud so cloud because no. of because of the climate
1: because of the climate and the clouds during the growing season filters that light which again delete the, the plan is not getting that sun exposure thinner vein structure thinner leaves, plants get nine feet, 10 feet tall, oh, wow. more primings, more wrapper. And it started really chipping away at the Connecticut shade sales from the late eight, 1980s through the 90s to the two, until here we are today in 2022. There's hardly any shade being grown in the valley.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. The market didn't really for the most part, didn't notice, right? Because the shift Mm. happened. And because of the style of tobacco, the market really didn't notice. Connecticut Shade is very thin. It's very neutral in many ways, you know, because of it doesn't take on much fermentation. It's so thin. And that's why it makes such great wrapper. But this shift sort of happened. And they were able to. Because the market didn't... Now, with Connecticut Broadleaf, you can't do that. You know, you... you, you People get, are Broadleaf's trying, but yeah, yeah. You're trying. And and listen, not to say that there's not some good stuff. You know, uh, Pennsylvania, there, there's stuff in... All over the place right now. Honduras, Nicaragua. Um, I'm sure Brazil's growing some. Mexico's growing. You know, they're testing. And a lot of which is intended to the mass market. Because the mass market actually... Is one of the bigger consumers of Connecticut broadleaf. And that market's been growing leaps and bounds because of the legalization of cannabis. So that's been driving a lot of this. And yeah, we uh, about
0: that last show.
1: Unfortunately, the weather in Connecticut hasn't been cooperating for the most part in Connecticut. Um, this season was just rain, it kept raining, kept raining. Past five years has been difficult. So you know, this is why uh, things, Tabernacle, our brand, the Tabernacle, it's very limited supply. And it's not a, uh, it's not a marketing gimmick. It's not a, it's there. What we have is, is amazing leaf. It's just, there's not the quantities due to the weather. Um, and just imagine you're, you're going through fermentation for two years before the stuff is ready. The Cuban seed from Connecticut. We're looking at two and a half, three years. So it's uh, it's a challenge. I'm kind of skipping around, but the t- to circle back around the tents again. Now you see that in Nicaragua, Cuba started many many years ago with the shade grown tents. You know, it's a pretty common practice. But from my knowledge, it, it really originated in Connecticut in the early 1900s. Yeah.
0: Got some uh, some some classic what I call would call classic questions, but I think they're worth bringing up uh, that are coming up in the chat here. Um, and one of them was just put forth about like, um, and I and I, I I always dig this question when I work in the human and people ask me this question, but I, I I'd love to get your take on it because everyone has a certain take yeah. on it. So the and I'll, I'll Nick I'll I'll sort of answer for you. Um, so. Uh, pardon Mm -hmm. me, but feel free to just school me here too. But the question is what percentage of cigar of a cigar's flavor on average, do you think is a result, heavily influenced by the wrapper, the binder and the filler? And, uh, it was posed by Macy who's in our audience tonight. And Macy, what I'll tell you is that, um, in my experience, um, and I think Nick may agree is I think it just depends on the one. It depends on the blend. Um, and it depends on the, the, the actual tobacco that you're talking about with the wrapper. Because, like Nick was Great. saying a moment ago, shade grown is very neutral in a lot of ways. It doesn't lend much. It doesn't lend much flavor because, it, like a lot of the trends that we saw before a few years ago, you saw Connecticut shade cigars like, oh, they're too mild, they're bland, they're they're bitter, they're this, they're that. And then Nick, you come out with the high curve classical, which is a a full flavored medium bodied you know you know just powerhouse of a cigar in the high Eclair castle um, which you know again it binder and filler obviously had a lot to do with that so um, I think I think it has a lot to do with the blend but uh, Nick I'll let you I Of answered, but no,
1: you're spot on, man. And I don't think people, a lot of people, answer it that way. There's always this um, debate going on, you know, what contributes. But I agree, and to what you're saying, it all depends on the blend. And each of those leaves in the blend has a tremendous, I think, impact in some way on the overall flavor profile. Of the cigar, I think ring gauge is is also a big factor, right? Yeah, if you're smoking Lanceros, your your 40 ring gauge, your smaller ring gauges, you ha- having more distribution of wrapper compared to the filler leaves, and you're going to have a difference. You're going to be tasting more of the wrapper leaf in that blend uh, compared to if you have a larger ring gauge. And like you said, it depends on where the tobacco is coming from and what the blend is. Um, it's amazing to see what, you know, wrappers and then binders and how they change and bring together or don't bring together certain filler leaves. Um, you know, for me, the trick with, you know, you talked about High Highclere, uh, the Connecticut Shade, the binder is Modafina Brazil. Mm-hmm. So we always say to you know, have you smoked the Connecticut Shade with the Maduro wrapper? The, the, the binder is very dark. It's a Mm -hmm. darker Brazilian Modafina leaf that helps buffer some of the the strength of the filler leaves. So you can increase the strength without it being overwhelming on power. Does that make sense? You know, if I put a Connecticut shade on the Tabernacle blend, it's going to totally change the whole. So it's going to be way too potent way too much strength because the Connecticut shade is so thin. And I use a lot of heavy filler leaves in that Tabernacle blend, you know, Visos and Ligeros. So if you put a Connecticut shade that's so thin, that filler is going to really bring it out. But broadleaf, thick, vein structure, that really helps round out some of the filler strength. Um, It doesn't, even though it's a fuller bodied cigar, it doesn't make it you know, harsh and, and jade the palate.
0: Well, I mean, even to uh, like it, it, yeah, it's a really beefed up blend, but even to like, to dive into the scar that we're smoking tonight, like um, the Corona gordon that I'm smoking now, like it even impacts like the, the texture of the smoke, like the Toro Huaco, which is. Um, so my two favorite sizes, ironically, are the one that I'm smoking tonight, the Corona Gorda and the Toro Huaco, but you get, it's the same blend. But because of the vitola, you get a totally different experience. The Toro Huaco, the smoke is very velvety and it's very, it's almost got this, it has it leaves like this this cream like texture on the palate. When I smoke the corona gorda, it is straightforward and it is it it, it singes as bad because it sounds like it's being the negative, but it, it singes the palate more. There's not there isn't that velvety creaminess to the smoke texture. Yeah. It's just very much. It's very much. It's more straightforward. Yeah, it's very straightforward. It it brings it brings the blend to you, but for that reason, I like it in both of those those vitolas um, for two different reasons. Which is interesting
1: interesting. because I try I tend to to blend some of the smaller ring the coronas a little bit stronger, even though they're supposed to be consistent with the, you know, the rest of the line. I tend to kick them up a little bit on the corona size.
0: Oh, there's definitely some pop to this cigar and it's like, and, but it's the sweetness of the, the tequila though is really, it's tampering it down and it's, it's a really big, it's a really, really nice thing. So what do you think of the tequila so far? I'm
1: going to go in, hold on. I got to do a little, a little mountain valley spring water to clear that palate. There you go. Wow. That's amazing that there's no bite on that. I didn't get any bite. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, that'll get you in trouble wow. real quick, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous.
0: That's quite nice, man.
1: I'm I'm kind of shocked
0: by it. I'm glad I'm glad you're digging it. Like I told you, man, it totally caught me off guard the first time I had it. I was like, uh, wow, this is this is sensational
1: it's interesting that you don't, I can sip it without it. I can actually sip, sip this. I don't need to, I don't need to be throwing them back.
0: What do you know the story with these guys? I really don't. Like I said, I just, I stumbled on it. Um, you know, not too long before that show that we did together, you know, a little over a year ago. And I was drinking it that night. I don't know if like, I don't know the, think I was I think that might have still been my first bottle to be honest with you and I was just like this is fantastic and I, I mean I had gone out and bought a case of it before I finished that first bottle I mean it was just it was just terrific I mean and the price is killer on it too when you think about it
1: yeah that's why I'm shocked Especially for the size of the bottle, size of
0: the bottle. Well, and then like it, you know the the brand the brand the you know I mean, it, well I mean taking it at face value, like the label is is ornate. It's got beautiful colors and stuff, but it's yeah. also very. It's kind of you know. It's kind of it's a little plain. You know, there's not too much to it. You know, but this but, is like
1: real deal Mexico. You know what I mean? I feel like you find this like right in Mexico. Yeah,
0: yeah. You go into any you know what I mean? Any dive, any any dive in Mexico, and you like find a bottle of cointreau, and you're like, "Oh,
1: yeah, this is
0: like the real deal." I'm glad you're enjoying it. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really pleasant. It actually goes really well with the cigar right now because it has it does have some strength to it, but again, it's not overpowering in the palate and it's not really biting on the back of my throat. And it's actually pairing well with the strength of the cigar. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: Knife. So- this is dangerous.
0: <laughs> so, so Nick, another question that was mentioned earlier too, and I think this is probably a question you've been asked probably at least dozens of times. I know most manufacturers are, but I, I think it's again, in the spirit of, of tonight, I think it's kind of worth that work at worth asking again. Um, and again, I think I know your answer, but I'll, I won't answer for you this time. I'll let you, I'll you, let you do the honors, but um, you know, you manufacture a lot of different types of cigars, um, different, different blends all along the spectrum, everything from non-traditional cigars and the upsetters lines that we we're talking about, you know, pre-show to, you know, the wise man Maduro, the tabernacle, like really beefy, you know, in your face full bite cigars, mild cigars, medium bodied, like it's all over the map. Regions, tobaccos, everything. What, you know, do you, so the question was, the question was how do you manufacture a cigar that you don't particularly like, but you know is is for other people? And I, I'm interested to get question. you, I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna let you, I'm not gonna try to sway it this time. Yeah.
1: Um... I mean, I would say—is that a question coming from you, or was no? Somebody, a coming, it's a It's a question from
0: the chat. So it's a question from the chat.
1: Oh, okay, great question. Uh, I would say, really, the only cigar in my portfolio that I would say I don't smoke consistently would be the Upsetters Infused line. Um, I I smoke for quality control. I do smoke for the flavor to make sure it's 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 right. Um, Otherwise, the other lines I smoke pretty consistently um, because I like different things. I tend personally to like, you know, if I had to choose, I'm going towards the fuller bodied, uh, you know, medium to medium plus to full in strength. You know, if I had to choose, but High Highclere, you know, the High Highclere Connecticut, I'll smoke in the morning. I'll smoke in the you know, lunchtime. The Victorian is a perfect medium-bodied. Um, Charter Oak. If I'm out doing, you know, out, you know, outside. If you're you're doing something, you know, and I, I'm not really paying attention to it as much, or I'm on the move, or I'm on the trade, you know, doing a trade show or something like that. Um, Wise Man Maduro. I smoke consistently, and well, Wednesday I smoke consistently. I really try to make a portfolio of blends in all these different categories from blends to, and also price points. Because again, like we said at the beginning, I'm a cigar smoker first and foremost. Um, And I just tend to have a wide range of things that I like. Some people only like one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. other people, I think more and more in the market today, people smoke of a plethora of different, different things. So, I um, do. so yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, again, I got a box of Charter Oaks here. I got a box of Wednesdays I'm constantly smoking these cigars, not just for, again, quality control and work, but I, I enjoy different blends. Um, the upsetters, you know, I started early, you know, in the, in the nineties smoking, having worked a cigar shop, Again, you're trying to find the best matchup with the customer you're dealing with. And every customer has a different flavor profile that they, pref- they prefer. You know, I'm not here to kind of force my flavor profiles or what I like on people. I want to know what they enjoy. And then I want to try to find the right product for them. Um, and that's how I kind of got started in understanding the infused market, the blends. You know, even though I don't personally would be, you know, buying or smoking them, I started to smoke them and try to understand it from the consumer's, you know, level of what they like. And then I've been fortunate to work on a, a ton of infused projects over the years. So I kind of got a hang of understanding, you know, other people's palates. Um, and then I take that approach when I'm working on, on the blends. But... I've been fortunate to really, you know, work in the retail side of things, be a cigar nerd myself, be a cigar consumer, and then be being able to move to Nicaragua and then learn, you know, the other side of the business. It's enabled me to have a really a wide range of understanding of, I think, blends and uh, the consumer's palate in the United States. And I think that's tough for some manufacturers per se or tough for others that don't have the experience within the the American market or have never kind of experienced, you know, uh, being in the rest of the United States and working cigar shops. That can kind of kind of limit your knowledge of, you know, what people are looking for and what people people want. Does that make yeah. sense? No, 100%. around?
0: No, absolutely. No, I think it makes total sense. The thing I'm, um, one of the things that I really like uh, today is that they're just a lot of people are kind of taking that approach that you have, which is kind of just, you know, really kind of playing the field a little bit more and it really discovering out there. And I, still, I, we're, we're, we're seeing this kind of this interesting Renaissance. So like the boom happened in the nineties when, and you actually joined the industry at the tail end of the boom. Um, you probably still saw the unfortunate remnant <laughs> of, byproduct of- Dude, I byproduct.
1: I started, I started right at the, it was probably at its peak and then just started to turn. When I started, the owner, the two ladies I worked for first week handed me two garbage bags filled with cigars that they had gotten from the trade show, the RTDA that year and said, you're in charge of bringing in new brands into the humidor. So that's kind of when I, when I started. So I got to see what happened during the boom and it was a disaster. Um, You know, so many people coming out with brands, people just trying to make a quick buck, you know, people not understanding the consumers, you know, branding, things of this nature. So I got to like the cigar. You know what I'm saying? I got to yeah. like it. No matter what it is, I have to I have to smoke it and want to keep smoking it. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. I got it. This is how all the blend. If I'm not smoking, if I'm not wowed by it, then there's no way I'm coming out with it. And again, that's for all different, all, all of them. And again, I got it when I, when I'm smoking, you know, the upsetters are doing an infused, but I got to wear my hat of the infused, you know, smoker.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like that, like you, it's, it's almost like you have to put yourself in that place. And then, you know, like we hear all the time too. And that, and this is there, there, unfortunately, there's still some manufacturers that are really guilty of this too, that they cannibalize their own product. Right. Mm. And so you mm-hmm. have to you have to be weary of that too, especially in the world that you operate in, Nick, because you're, you're you're a small boutique brands. Like, I mean, you know, you've you've positioned foundation incredibly well. It's a really well-known brand, but comparatively yeah. speaking, I mean it's in terms of like quantity, right? It's it's small potatoes compared to some other manufacturers. And so like you have to be weary. Uh, and you have to be diligent about that and the approach that you take. And, and I think that's something you've done incredibly well because Appreciate we, we, we've talked about the variety of stuff that it. you worked on. Yeah, exactly. The stuff that you've worked on. Like, well, <laughs> and and to that point about like the boom, like there were cigars in those trash bags that probably belonged in those trash bags and not being <laughs> served to lit. Like, Oh dude,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Don, it, nobodies we'd call
0: them. It was bad. Like there were cigars that were like yeah. legitimately bad. Like, There's like it's really funny, like today, like we live in like we live in this very this renaissance and we live in the spoiled era of cigars where like I talked to people that were around during the boom. And then there was stuff that was just garbage, like absolute garbage. And like that, get that word gets thrown around sometimes today with some cigars that aren't like that don't hit your palate. Right. Like, oh, this cigar sucks. It's terrible and like so i'll give this example right I'll, I'm, I'm not even i'm not even pulling any punches here like and you and i've had this discussion i'm not the, the cigar in your portfolio that just doesn't hit my palate is the Menelik. but it it's it's a good cigar and for the people whose palates right i mean it's 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 good like i would it, like yeah. it's not tra- it's not trash and i'm not saying that cuz i'm talking to right. you but like it doesn't hit my palate but it doesn't make it a terrible it, the construction's great it burns technically you know technically flawless the tobaccos are great everything's well fermented like like it yeah it's just it's the way there. that marries it's it doesn't speak to me general. personally
1: and that's the that's the beauty of of you know our industry and and having a variety and and we are living in an incredible time um, you know for that unfortunately in the in the boom in the 90s you, you know a lot of people of things got messed up on the the supply side of in the tobacco market you know and the actual buying and selling of tobacco because you had people that were entering the market that didn't know what they were doing and then they were also paying crazy prices for leaf and things that they didn't know what they were doing and people were selling leaf people were maximizing that that changed, you know, this time around, I think everybody learned from the tobacco side of things, you know, relationships were were really built over time. And people honor these relationships uh, more than ever. So when you have people that are coming into the market, it's, it doesn't, you know, it's not getting as messed up as it was back then. Um, if that makes
0: sense. Well, I think it's lessons learned from the past. Like we heard from like, I've heard from like Manuel Casada, how people were stealing rollers left and right. So consistency was bad. So it's not even just the tobacco was like under fermented and you were trying to, you know, you know, beg, borrow and plead and stuff like that. But I mean, he was telling, he he told me once in a conversation like how rollers were getting stolen right from underneath him. And so Mm -hmm. when like, you know, when you were having inconsistency problems too from just a manufacturing standpoint, you don't even have the same person rolling the cigar that was there a week ago. Um, Yeah.
1: And that's, that's a huge problem. Um, Unfortunately, we're having a bit of that problem with uh, people leaving to the States and the U S border being, being more open than I think it's been in a long time. So you have a big influx of people heading to the States. So you have a tremendous amount of people in training Right now in factories, um, this is one of the reasons, too, for a lot of backorder situations and and things being slow, because, again, the manufacturers know, I think more than ever, quality and consistency, you know, is is has to always be there. Um, but, you know, it's, you have a combination of demand being higher over the past two years and then people leaving and then everybody knows the problems with supply chain, but then also. You know, a lot of people have been leaving Honduras, Nicaragua, you know, going across the border.
0: Absolutely. So like yeah. taking, looking back here at the last, the last two years and the craziness that it's been, um, for, for, from, from foundation, like you, it was really, really unfortunate set of events. You, uh, you had the, you celebrated your fifth anniversary as a company in yeah. 2020, um, yeah. So how did that, so we, we, we've heard kind of like reflect, you know, reflectively that, you know, you know, more cigars are being smoked more than ever people are having great years and stuff, but it's still not the, it's still, I guess, wasn't the same in a lot of ways, or maybe it was like, how, like how did you feel your fifth anniversary cigar, the David and Goliath, you know, line extensions, like those, I feel like in any normal year, those would have been, that would have been just so much bigger, than what it was because yeah. of the circumstances. How do you feel it went?
1: Yeah, it went well. With the fifth anniversary, it was it was tough because the presentation, the box that we ended up presenting, the cigar itself was very difficult. Um, I, I think you re- you know the box is this very. It's like a piece of furniture. Yeah. Uh, the fifth year anniversary. It's gorgeous. I call it the Voltron box that box proved to be quite the challenge and then production on those, that perfecto, you know, it's a four and three quarters by 60 perfecto is a challenge, more of a challenge on the production floor. And then all the COVID madness hit. So we, we ended up having delays in the release, but I can't complain, man, because everything sold, you know, I wish I had more. Um, At the time, I actually, because we were so backed up, still have, you know, there's going to be the that we're only producing that cigar was for our fifth year. Mm -hmm. Um, But since we were delayed in coming out with it, I still have, still have about 200 more boxes in the pipeline. So if you see them out in the shelves, you know, grab them because they're not going to be, they're not going to be around for long. I just wanted to do it yeah it's the last hurrah so again we were just delayed in the release of the cigar but i can't complain david and goliath has just been you know non-stop we we can't make enough of of those that's a regular limited uh production item that we really do uh, more on a quarterly basis okay. and that cigar has just had a huge reception in the market i mean i think the, the problem is is, is people people can't get them all the time. So, but again, difficult cigar to make. We had a uh, number of issues with, you know, tobacco taking longer in the fermentation piles than originally anticipated. So it's been a little bit slow, but I, we're hoping, you know, this year it will be a little bit more steady. So. That's good.
0: That's good to hear. Well, yeah, I was interested to get your perspective on that. Cause I feel like, you know, I, I it just kind of made me feel sad because I feel like the celebration would have been just so much more, just wouldn't have been so much yeah, more. Yeah, man. It's, t- it's tough,
1: man. It was definitely tough. It gave me a chance to slow down because I was on a schedule that I, I don't think was sustainable. So in that sense, I think it, you know, COVID came for me personally at a time where I needed to, to actually slow down and be in one spot and not on a plane every every two weeks um, but it was tough I I was just felt very fortunate man to be in business you know so many people lost businesses or weren't able to open their businesses you know we were very concerned about the the brick and mortars and the retail shops you know the first couple of months was was scary uh, when when COVID hit so I just been really fortunate that you know we're, we're in business, the the brand and the company has been growing, you know, the awareness of the brand has, has been growing throughout the humidors. My whole goal is, is always to, you know, really build foundation and to be a staple within the humidors across the country. So um, I felt very fortunate that we've been able to, to do that and continue it. Um, Hopefully our 10 year anniversary will not have all these challenges. (laughs)
0: Well that's uh that's an interesting uh that's an interesting kind of you you kind of segued into my next question with that. So and it it's a two part question. And I, I want the I want the, the focus of it to be on the first part of it. But I okay. think it'd be interesting to get a, a a similar take on on the second part of it. The first part of my question is, you know, it, and you, you actually were asked this, you were asked this question in the, in the Percy Crawford interview, where, okay. you know, do you think is, is foundation cigar, you know, at, you know, now seven years in 2022, seven years in six, is it, six. six, well, it's the beginning of 22. Yeah. Or I guess 20, right. 20, 2015, right. You started in 2015.
1: October, 2015.
0: So, yeah. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be seven later this year. So yeah. Will, okay. is it, you know, six years in, is it, is it where the, is it where you wanted it to be? Is it everything you wanted it to be?
1: You know, it is, I, for me personally, I didn't even think about it when I started. I just went, I went all out, you know, just from the beginning. I didn't even really plan it out In a way which I probably should have early on. I originally I was hoping to bring on investors, and I did have this great elaborate plan. But then at the last minute, I decided not to take on investors, not to go that route, and start it much smaller than I originally anticipated. You know, just it was the company hadn't even started yet you know, getting investors, pre-valuation, that whole thing. And I started the company really to have the freedom to do what I wanted to do. And to me, you know, borrowing money from people, I'm a no debt kind of guy. So I didn't want to start, you know, with a good chunk of the company being out of my hands and then having the pressure of paying paying people back. So I said, let me start it small. So we started with Wednesday And it was really... It was really just all passion, man, to start. And then as the years went on, you know, I had all these other brands in the lineup. We didn't have tobaccos online yet, but to answer your question, it it is, you know, I'm really just happy with the response of the brands and the humidor, all the support, you know, from guys like you, all the hardcore guys in the industry, uh, the retailers. I mean, it's. It's been humbling to see the reception and for really people to learn about, you know, uh, the story of Foundation and my story, because I was mm-hmm. virtually kind of unknown to the market up until 2015. I mean, I was always behind the scenes, always- Yeah, unless you know, were on a nerd The like side of things. Right. Yeah, yeah, or, or came down to the factory to visit. And so it was really those, you know, hardcore guys like yourself, that really started it for me and and really helped with the awareness of the brand and recommending foundation to consumers and having the confidence in the brands to recommend them to consumers uh, that really set it off for us. And I've been learning a lot about sales and distribution. You know, it's just been a constant learning experience for me. Um, Of course, still learning that doesn't stop, but it's, it's really fascinating The sales and distribution side. I always say there's three parts to this business farming. That's a world unto itself. Fermentation, pre-industry manufacturing. That's a world unto itself sales and distribution. That's a world unto itself. So that was the, the big piece, you know, that was missing. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been flattering to see the growth of the brand over the years and just to see brand awareness and how that's, that works and how it's been growing. And it's constant, man. You know what I mean? You constantly, we're constantly working on messaging, communication with our our brick and mortar shops with final consumers and, uh, you know, really educating people as to what foundation's all about.
0: It's funny. You mentioned a comment a couple of minutes ago about just being like an unknown and, and, and to my audience that might seem kind of funny, but it's, it, there's actually some truth to that. Cause like, I remember having that conversation when the story broke about you leaving Drew estate, it was a topic of conversation in the cigar shop in in, in Michael's tobacco where I worked and, yeah. and, uh, and there were people who just didn't know. They're like, Bear, is this is this a big deal?" And I was like, "You have no idea how big of a deal this is," and 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 it, it was it was conversations like those that I'm sure that a lot of tobacconists like myself were having during that time. That you know, I, I'm not saying I'm responsible for that awareness, but I think I think you're 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 spot on in saying like there, you know, to a select few of us, you had this you had this tremendous impact in your early career. Um, that's obviously led to your success, but foundation is 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 truly all you in a lot of ways, and what you've built and the awareness that you've brought amongst yourself. Because we used the term layman earlier, right? The, the layman yeah. smoker is is now aware of that story and that just wasn't that they wouldn't have or didn't know in in years past. So that leads me to the second part of the question. Like I said, I wanted to focus more on the foundation piece, but and and I don't think I don't think you were like creatively handcuffed or by any way, shape, or form in your years at Drew Estate. But I noticed like your style, you focus a lot on there's there's so and not that there's not story behind Drew Estate or anything like that or sometimes, but you you invest so much in history, like, history is a big part of you. That's I think that's why we're kindred spirits, you and I. History is yeah. a big part a foundation story. And that just wasn't kind of the 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 bag, so to speak, at Drew Estate. Like it is, um, I'm not saying that's the reason you left, far from it. I'm just saying it, was that really exciting for you that you got to embrace your love of history so that you could yeah. do it the way you wanted to?
1: Yes, I mean, it was ex- very, very exciting. And the DE side, I, I wasn't involved. You know, on the state side of thing or the branding side of thing, I w- the only project I was involved in was the rustica at the end. There, um, that was the first project I was involved from a branding uh, side of side of things. But otherwise, that wasn't my role. And my role was tobacco mm-hmm. production, blending, quality control, everything. You know, from the de Nicaragua side. So to. You know, one is one of the reasons, not the main reason, the, the main reason was just seeing all this FDA stuff coming down the pipeline and realizing, hey, maybe if I don't spread my wings now, I might not be able to yeah, I remember you saying that. And yeah. the thought of that was was really the crux of it. Um, you know, I love the Nicaragua side of being in Nicaragua, so that wasn't. I could have been happy not being known on the on the U.S. side of things and just being around tobacco because that's I just it doesn't get old for me. I walk into a tobacco barn and it's it's like the first time every time. That's how much of a geek I am. <laughs> I could take pictures of tobacco barns. Uh, that's all my phone You do? What are you talking about? Tobacco. You do? Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: I was going to say that's your entire IG yeah. feed is like tobacco leaves and your hands and dirt and stuff. Yes. I love it, man. And yeah. But and it's a hundred percent genuine, which is the best part about it. It's a hundred percent sincere, yeah. and it's the. It's oh, the I love it, I man.
1: I uh, it just uh, it's being around tobacco, being just around the plant, and the whole process. Just it's it's amazing. So to be able, you know, having worked on blends and that side of things for so long, to then be able to create blends. i mean, I'm sorry, brands to complement the blends and to use brands and imagery mm-hmm. of things that i'm passionate about in my life that was definitely rewarding you know it's still rewarding to be able to you know complement these these blends with imagery and to me the packaging and the branding that's what it should do right is complement what the tobacco is it starts that's the foundation not to be cliche is is the tobacco you know the 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 growing, the seed varieties, the land, the quality control, the fermentation, the production. That's what makes a an amazing cigar. But then also to have the brand that you know really complements that, complements that mm-hmm. is to me what really creates the magic, right?
0: That oh, that kind of
1: brings it all together. So you know my best friend from from Esteli, Nicaragua. His name is Alex Garcia. He's the company's art director. We've known each other since 2003, 2004. Um, he's just an amazing artist, you know, that started in the streets, graffiti, graffiti art, and really, over the years, has just self-taught himself from a graphic design standpoint, how to you know, the, the band designs, the box and the box design. So the both of us together are really, you know, two sides of, of the same coin. And, you know, when I started the company and told them what I wanted to do, we just have a lot of the same interests in culture and history. And, you know, the brands t- to me have, have different levels to them. And you can, you can see them at the face value then there's other layers that if you want to, you can get into them, but they, they kind of run, run deep. And it's because history, you know, history, culture, it's, it's what fascinates me. It's, you know, I, I, I always wanted to understand why things are, are the reason why they are, if right. that makes sense, you know, um, why, why do we do things? It's, and if you don't really look at history, you really don't understand why things are the way they are. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, a person without the true knowledge of their past is like a tree without roots. And uh, I think that's that's kind of true.
0: I mean, there's so much to what you're saying today in tonight's conversation mm-hmm. and conversations of the past too that are like, if you sit and listen to yourself speak for any length of time, doesn't matter who's interviewing you, you can hear the story of the brands, even without you talking about them specifically, you talk about the roots of trees and that quote. And that immediately makes me think of charter Oak. You know, you think about, you talked about the, the one of the biggest motivators for you to start your own brand. There you go. One of the reasons to start your own brand was um, because the FDA was looming and you're like, if I don't do this now, I never will. And you, you captivate, that you you capture that imagery in the david and goliath fatolas that you've introduced and yeah and it's yeah. it's really it's really fa- you the thing that i really like uh, one of the things that really fascinates me about you nick is that you you strike me as a very as a very uh, well as well very studious and academic in a lot of ways you still strike me as a very spiritual person and that's spiritual in the context of like how we view spirituality in this country of like, you know, you know, church on Sunday, very religious, and you might very well me, I'm not necessarily going down that road, but you just strike me as a very spiritual person uh, to go with that academia side. Is that, is that, is that a fair assessment of your character you think? That's
1: yeah, man, that's very accurate. And I don't tend to align myself with, you know, creeds or, or different religions to me, you know, it's, it's life, man, this we're all going in the same direction, whether we like it or not, it's just a reality of life. And to me, cigar smoking, you know, that when I started smoking cigars and looking into the history of cigar smoking, you know, it's this ceremony in the modern day that we're all partaking in and, you know, the history of tobacco amongst the indigenous we're still learning about how tobacco was I don't know if you saw a uh, couple months ago they had been doing a dig out in Utah and they found a 12,000-year-old site and they found tobacco there which is now predating the original everything we thought we knew you know the academic side of things of when tobacco was used they had really traced it back to maybe 4000 5000 Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, BC, but now this puts us at 12,000 and tobacco was used, you know, not only as a medicinally and as a pleasure ceremony for, you know, peace pipes, we know, but it was a sacred plant, especially amongst the, you know, all of the, the shaman cultures throughout the Americas, Central America, and into South America. So um, to me, it was, You know, smoking a cigar was always just this calming. It kind of brings you to the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Without being, without messing up your, you know, taking any psychoactive substances, you're, the cigar unites you with the present. That's really what it became for me as a tool to, you know, really be present and enjoy the moment. And, uh, you know, it's great when you can do that with people and, the camaraderie, and I think that's what really attracts a lot of people. Right? Is is this camaraderie that we have within the the industry? Um, so it's yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I don't like to talk about it too much, but yeah, I, I tend to be a spiritual spiritual person.
0: Well, you talk about community there, Nick, and you talk about how it brings one together, and this is something I've expounded on probably every single. Of my every single one of my 202 takes at this point you know it it's 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 you can't it's synonymous you can't talk about cigars and not talk about community in a lot of ways mostly because of the people who i get to i have the privilege of speaking with like yourself but you have a you specifically have this way we started we started tonight's show talking about how you as an individual and foundation by proxy have kind of broken through in a lot of ways into secular culture, you know, the the, the snapshot of Michael Jordan with a box of wise men, Maduro's, the, um, you know, the, you know, your, your relationship and friendship with the Earl of Carnarvon and royalty of Ethiopia, you, you were covered by the NBC affiliate there in Connecticut, you know, talking about small business and the tobacco farming and, and, you know, in this piece by Percy Crawford. And then of course, I mean, the most infamous relationship that's developed because of, because of what you do um, is this, this latest uh, this la- the latest project with, with Joe. Well, not even a project. I mean, it just came about because he started smoking cigars and landed on yours. It's Joe Rogan. So talk, talk sure. a little bit about this. I mean, th- I mean that, that, I think that was just as shocking to you as it was to everybody else. Am I right about that? Did that catch you off guard like it caught everyone else did?
1: It, it's still shocking. I'm still shocked. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, totally shocking. No, um, you know, this is not a planned uh, planned thing. A good friend of mine out in California saw that I loved Joe. I've been listening to Joe since probably 2012. You know, to me, listening to Joe bear was almost like what the experience in the cigar shop has been for me at an early age, right? Is being, I said, I was 18 when I started working the shop. You're meeting people from all different walks of life, from all different professions, and they're all coming together in this one place and they wouldn't normally come together if it wasn't for cigars. So being able to learn from all these different people at a young age, really opened up my my mind and, and perception of, of the world. And I was learning a lot, just, you know, having those humidor discussions, man, you know, um, you can get into some really awesome discussions uh, about so many different topics. And then also personal discussions and, you know, trials and tribulations people are going through that's what, you know, Joe's podcast became kind of that for me, yeah. um, you know, and he, he started it and I don't think he ever intended that it would ever become this big or he'd have so much uh, of the spotlight on him, but it, it's happened because I think he's just pursuing his truth, you know, and, and pursuing the truth for, for himself and trying to learn uh, from all these different walks of life. So my buddy had known that that I just love Joe. And then we noticed that he started really started smoking cigars there a little bit here and there. And then my buddy was like, I'm going to get cigars to Joe for you. Get me some cigars. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make this happen. I was like, all right, let's, so I talked to my buddy, Alex, and I was like, Alex, we need to do some hand painted boxes. Um, I actually have a box here that I didn't send them yet. Um, I'll show it to you. And um, we, we did a couple boxes, one with his logo, and then we made him a, a Nicaraguan shaman on one of the boxes. And it was all when this, this COVID situation was going down and Joe ends up deciding to move out of California to Texas. So we couldn't, we could, nothing was happening. It was like two months, there was nothing. My guy's contacts didn't, wasn't working out. And I told my buddy, hey, go, go easy. It's going to happen. Like the last (laughs) thing you want to get when you're moving is another box. So don't let's not, you know, because I have that nice little care package. So it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And then through the grace of the universe, we ended up becoming friends with one of Joe's good friends who happened to be going to Texas to visit Joe that weekend. And he was a fellow cigar smoker. And he brought the boxes to Joe and I put an ashtray in there and a cutter. Didn't hear anything for like two months. And then one day, you know, I usually listen to Joe as I'm working on spreadsheets and stuff in the back. And I was just sitting there one day and I looked up and I said, son of a gun, there's our, I saw our ashtray in the middle of the podcast. It was hiding behind bottles of water. And then I went back because I, to notice it, September 11th, 2020 was the first day the ashtray is on the show. And it's been there ever since, right in the middle wow. of every guest. And then it was like a couple months later, it was election day. I saw the box on the, his desk for the first time and he busted him out. We we're wise man Maduro's, Robustos. Mm-hmm. And he started smoking them. And then from that time on, man, he just... just he must've given us 10, 15 shout outs. Yeah. Just nonstop. So um, he ended up hitting me up on Instagram, which was awesome. Surreal. I'm sure. (laughs) Surreal. And he's like, yo man, uh, you know, I'm thinking about getting a humidor for this, for the studio you know, you got any recommendations and this, that, I said, Joe, (laughs) I already got you. So I had, I had a, I had a humidor that I had in process for him with his logo. It was hand inlaid. I had Eli blue make it for him.
0: Oh, and then I,
1: and then I got him one with the American flag on it. So if you see on his desk in the back under the TV, you'll see the two humidors. And just this past week, he's got a box of charter Oaks next to him. And, uh, He's got a box of uh, Menelik, and then I ended up making him his own cigar because I was like, "This guy needs his own cigar." So, and what- then the rest has just been history, man. It's crazy.
0: It's I and mean, it's awesome. Yeah, the 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 cigar thing made it like it just hearing him talk about it too, and it's 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 like you talk about it, it's surreal. Like, it's not my brand, you know, and you know, I don't I don't yeah. work for you. But and, but it it was it was such a moment of pride for me as a you know cigar a cigar consumer. It was such a proud moment for me as a person of media because I was like this because I know how hard you work, and I and it was it was very fitting because of what I've just described a few moments ago, like how you've you've kind of broken the the wall. The, the, the fourth, you know, the metaphorical fourth wall of, you know, cigars are great for people in our circle and, and, you know, for people like, you know, Carlito Fuente, for example, right? You know, he, in our world, he's the stuff of legend, you know, he's an icon yeah. and yeah. And it, it, it's, it's sad that that man could walk into, you know, walk into an airport and, and in America. And like, there's people that don't know who this great man is. You know, it's just, it's just, it blows, it blows like my mind. It blows your mind. It blows anyone who's like watching the show. Like that happens. Like it does. And, and it's a blessing and a curse. Right. Right. It could be a blessing and a curse. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, But, but you've, you've you've somehow kind of transcended that fourth wall and, and, and broken it down in a lot of ways and i think this was a this was an interesting an interesting kind of way to do it and it's it i mean your your brand has been exposed to millions millions because of you know his viewership and people who never thought anything about cigars and then you know all of a sudden foundations right there in in their face and and then like i said like you said he's I love that he gives you shout outs on it. You know, it's just like, Oh, this is the yeah. cigar I'm smoking. I love it. He foundation, doesn't have to cigars. do that. He does. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's not getting, he's got paid, he's paid sponsors. Paid... He doesn't have to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, definitely, man. And that's what makes it. It's definitely, I did it. It's awesome. Of course, for exposure and, and marketing and everything, but it, it came from a place of just passion and love for, you know, what he's doing and, and just being a fan of his, um and just for me it it's important I think for to have someone like him expose people to the world of handmade cigars you know that's the top we are such a small part I think of the population that really know about this world of handmade cigars so I think it's so important for you know, non-smokers and smokers to really understand the art of the handmade cigar and for him to be able to have that platform, you know, I hope he, he continues to, to take steps to kind of learn more and more. I was sending him some, some, some messages from Nicaragua just showing him, you know, the fermentation piles and, and, you know, the steps that go into handmade cigars. So, um, it was cool to see him. He he really did it during Sober October. He does those mm-hmm. sober Octobers and really got into cigars that month and that sort of kicked it, kicked it all off. But um, I think it's just great in general to have that exposure for people to hopefully he'll he'll get into it more and more.
0: We need to really get him to we need to get him to the trade show. That would be fantastic.
1: That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get them to the farms too. And just to, you know, see, see some of the process. Uh, I sent him that seed to cigar video that I made the time-lapse. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. The, oh yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So I think he really enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, it opens up your world, man, to, to really, cause if you don't know, you, you, you've never been exposed to it. And I think sometimes it is overwhelming, you know, it's overwhelming to, people that are just haven't been exposed to it. And, you know, more of your common smokers, it can be intimidating and overwhelming. Uh, yeah.
0: So you made that cigar from, is that a, is that a special blend? Is it undisclosed? So is it similar to another blend that you it, made? It's
1: similar to Tabernacle. So when I made up Tabernacle, I had seven different blends that to, for me could have, could have made the cut. Um, so one of those seven made it. I ended up using one of those other seven blends for his blend. So it's a Connecticut Broadleaf.
0: Okay. Uh, and
1: then a tweaked version of the Tabernacle blend. So we made the uh, the band. It's, it's actually in the shape of a UFC belt. Oh, perfect. Um, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So, and the bands came out great. And, you know, it's interesting because his flavor profile for not, ha- I think, having smoked a lot of cigars over the years, I could tell just, based on his, his love for the wise man Maduro blend. And then he really loves like barbecue spicy. He likes, uh, you know, different scotches, more of those peaty I knew he would, that blend would kind of fit his flavor profile. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just in love with the blend. He sent me a message. He's like, man, it's one of the best cigars I've ever smoked.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. How surreal! Just how surreal, indeed. It's crazy, man. So, so crazy. this, uh, this question kind of leads us into our what I call our fun segments for the night, and we could always kicks off with our one must go segment, which is brought to you by United Cigar. United Cigar is the reason that we have Nick on tonight. Uh, they always sponsor our guest as well. So United Cigars uh, brought uh, features La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today. And start living united. Now, Nick, this is our one must-go segment. You took part in this uh last time I had you on. We asked you about the 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 Marley family and the musicians in that. And so I, I wanted to take a different spin on this. And so, you know, you know, it was very, very sad and unfortunate because I know how close you were to your grandfather and you you lost him during COVID. Um yeah. and I'm, I know that was a huge loss for your family, and I know how close you were to him. So I wanted to honor your grandfather tonight in this segment in a different way. And I would like to ask you to answer for him. So if you were no doubt, you would love to have dinner with your grandfather again. And while two of these other people that I'm about to mention are still alive, one is not, I would ask you to answer for your grandfather. If your grandfather had to say, you know what, I'm sorry, you'll have to wait. Only two other seats at this table. It's me. It's my grandson, Nick, and it's these two other people, but he's got to choose between these three people. So here we go. Grandfather has to pick for dinner guests, Bob Marley, the Earl of Carnarvon, and Joe Rogan. Who's he, who's he asking to wait outside? Joe, so one of those? One of those. He's got to say, I'm sorry, you're, you're not going to be he, at this dinner. <laughs>
1: he would probably choose the Earl of Carnarvon.
0: Okay. (laughs) Why do you think? Um,
1: I think, you know, it would be a close to Joe because he, he, I don't think he was just aware uh, of Joe um, in general, but the Earl of Carnarvon, I think he would be, it would be one of those, you know, honors for him just as far as historically speaking he he was probably very aware of his his grandfather who discovered King Tut's tomb um and just being the godson to the queen I think that would would definitely hook him.
0: so the earl so earl would make the cut the earl would make the earl would make
1: the cut yes Lord Carnarvon would make the cut
0: Okay. So, and then, so between Bob Marley and Joe Rogan, who else makes the, who else makes the dinner table then? Joe would make the cut. Okay. So Bob, Bob's going to wait outside. Okay.
1: I think Bob might have to wait outside. I don't know if I would let him have that happen. <laughs> that must be painful for you. But Yeah, that would be very painful, but he would like Bob in the sense of musician. He was a jazz drummer. So I think oh. they would really connect on on that level from a music level so man that's a tough question bear man how can i leave one of those for you well
0: i'm not asking you i'd <laughs> have to clear the table
1: i'd give up my seat so <laughs> i know grandpa you're seat. gonna have
0: dinner with them you know what I'll, I'll i'll sit outside you're gonna have dinner with these three gentlemen that's yeah
1: <laughs> i think sure. uh no i think bob he would really connect but with but um yeah, I think he would get along with Joe pretty well. And Joe would absolutely love him. I mean, I think Joe would have him on his podcast. I didn't know. I didn't know. My was grandfather was. Yeah, he he was a big band and jazz drummer uh, for the longest time. And uh, ever since he was a uh, Marine. Yeah. So, uh, oh, Wow. He used to uh, he used to play locally a lot here in Connecticut, New Haven. There's a big jazz scene, so he loved music. For him, until the day he passed, it was a huge part of his life. Um, I was fortunate to inherit his his vinyl connect uh, collection, and uh, I have some pretty amazing vinyl from his collection. That is a lot of stuff from. The '40s, '50s, big band, oh. jazz, yeah, some incredible, incredible records. So, uh, I still don't have them all displayed quite right, but yeah, that was him, man, and the and the and the pipe, you know, and he was a big pipe smoker, and his favorite cigar size is Lanceros. Hence, I made Lanceros for the Wednesday. Uh, you know, most of my lines have, have Lanceros in them, but that was his size. He loved Lanceros. If you had anything in front he you, would always go with the lancera That was his, that's awesome. That was his size. Yeah. Ever since I can remember that was, that was his size Lancero. So,
0: so big band That's a big band. That's a different foray for you, at least from what I know. I mean, you're, you're, you're so. I mean, you're so synonymous with reggae and everything, but I know you appreciate music. So,
1: I love music, man. I, I can get down with jazz, um, jazz blues, the big band stuff. I've been getting into a little bit, a little bit more. I've got to get my uh, my setup here for the vinyl. Um, kind of in that flux stage of moving stuff around. So, uh, once I get my record player going, that big band and jazz is going to be going a lot. That's awesome. I think we might have a lot of big band and
0: jazz at the trade show this year. There you go. Gonna have to get that going. So, that is our thank you, Nick. That is our one must go segment, as always brought to you by uh, United Scars, uh, featuring La Gianna Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garoflo, and the highly acclaimed Adabe and Byron lines. Smoke one today and start living united. Before we go into this next segment which I'm really excited to hear you talk about um, so you've said it a couple of times tonight and it's a question that I know was on everyone's mind you you, you did you, you weren't you weren't able to attend last year's PCA um, some I from my understanding you had some family commitments um, yep. con- belated congratulations to your to your parents right it was a 45th or 50th anniversary right 45th 45th yeah oh, wonderful wonderful 45 45th, years yeah that's awesome yeah
1: yeah we're big supporters of the PCA you know when I had to make the decision last year the COVID situation was still raging and you know I missed so many family things over the years I said it was February March when we made the decision and at that time everything was still kind of closed and whatnot so Mm -hmm. uh, it was tough because we started at the show you know so we're really looking forward to making it this year and and uh seeing everybody again
0: well everyone's gonna well, love having you back. yeah everyone's gonna love having you back it's gonna be awesome I'm, it's great to hear that you will be back but uh yeah this uh so this next segment has been become my favorite um since we la- we launched it just uh just a few weeks after the the last time you were on my show nick and it's it's been really great hearing different stories and different people talk about um, you know the causes that really matter to them, and this is my this is my charity segment where each week I ask my guest uh, to highlight or spotlight uh, a sug- uh, charity or a nonprofit of their choosing. And so uh, you selected the Norwalk. Uh, uh, forgive me if I mispronounce it. The Norwalk uh, Nar- uh, Nagarote Sister Plus. City Project, oh, um, and it's. Yes. It's a, looks like, I mean, from what I was reading about it, a beautiful foundation where it goes to really towards the community, um, nutrition, education. Talk to us a little bit more about this charity. Why, why did you pick to spotlight it tonight?
1: So this is actually a newer ch- charity bear um, actually within the past couple of months that I became aware of. So I just really started, um, supporting these guys but they're local here in Connecticut and one of my coworkers came one of their people approached approached us with it and Norwalk is the sister city Norwalk Connecticut of Nagarote Nicaragua which is really on the way from Managua to León um, uh, alongside the Lake Managua which is a pretty pretty beautiful area and It was kind of impressive to see what they're doing. Um, You know, so they're really working with the community there for scholarships for, I think they do scholarships for about 67 students uh, for, for high school and what we would consider like junior high school. They also have scholarships for college programs. They're doing sustainable farming practices in the area, so doing educational farming practices, reforestation Projects. Oh wow! Uh, they had okay. a plan for 2,000 trees. So I, I, just really started learning about about them and and took to them. So I think it's uh, it's cool to see you know someone in Connecticut uh, doing a charity for Nicaragua. It's pretty amazing um, the connection there, which is interesting because I used to spend time in Colorado and in Boulder and their sister city was Jalapa, Nicaragua.
0: Oh, okay. So you have
1: these you have these kind of sister city things going on which a lot of people aren't really too aware of that a lot of these towns have sister cities in other parts of the world. So it's a great seems like a really great organization that's doing some real real good in a small community in Nicaragua.
0: Well what a perfect charity for you, right? Connecticut's own son benefiting the people of Nicaragua, your adopted country, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it writes itself. It,
1: it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. We used to do a lot of work with Techo, which was an organization building houses in Nicaragua. Um, but I'm starting to branch out and do a little bit more with different organizations. Also with um, SOS, the adoption uh Program that they have there in in Nicaragua, they have a great program that helps uh, adopted, but uh, uh, they actually take in children that have no parents and and kind of take them on and have their their own community. Um, originally, I think they're out of Costa Rica, and uh, I'm really going to start working too over the next year or so it's with some Ethiopian organizations. So out in Ethiopia
0: oh that'll be great i know that'll be really good yeah. close to your heart too no, you this- might see a project uh
1: soon that will be benefiting some charity organizations so
0: that'll be great we'll that'll say. be wonderful yeah this is uh we uh, we actually feed uh, funny enough funnily enough we uh featured tesho uh Ram rodriguez of the Dominican. oh you did yeah el artista selected oh, cool. tesho yeah as his charity so oh. that was so that was really good and um you know, you know, like this. He, you mentioned some of the stuff that they're doing. You know, purchase of computers for students, nutrition classes, a tutoring program for seventy children, scholarships for sixty-seven ah. students, sustainable farming courses, the reforestation program. Two thousand trees have been uh, have been planted by this organization. I mean, a lot of. I mean, they're all over the place, and they're doing a lot of great things for that community there uh, in uh, Nagarote. Yeah. So, um.
1: Yeah, if anybody's listening, you can go to sistercityproject.org.
0: Yeah, I posted it in the chat. I'll be putting it oh, in great. the show notes later. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, check cool. it out. I and see. I, I encourage everyone. You know, as always, we really encourage people to check it out. And you know, if you feel called, please give. Uh, every little bit helps um, to every organization that we mentioned on the show. And uh, later tonight, Nick, uh, as I do every week, um, my wife and I decided when we started this project that I will be donating a small amount in your honor later tonight to this organization. So, um, you know, we're really excited to be able to do that for you. And uh, what a, again, what a, what a fabulous organization. I was really excited that you brought this brought this up because yeah, I hadn't heard of it. And uh, you're right. The sister city program all around the world is, is really fascinating. If you look at you, you can look it up, look up your hometown, wherever you are and your, 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 your town, your city, your community has a sister city somewhere else in the world, maybe multiple actually. So
1: yeah,
0: pretty cool stuff there. Um so uh two two more questions, uh Nick for tonight. Um again, I can't thank you enough for your time this evening. I know you got an early morning pleasure. Um, and uh so we're this is a newer segment. Um, and we'll be we'll be kind of formally debuting it here in the next couple of weeks, but I thought it would be a great time to kind of debut it a little unofficially, and that's uh the, the this uh, i'm calling it the uh, the solitude moment so we talked or this is actually perfect because we talked earlier today about uh, tonight about how cigars are very much community driven and it's very community oriented the ceremony of smoking cigars has been about the people around you but there are those moments where it's just you and the cigar and it it's a perfect memory it's the perfect moment in a lot of ways has there been a moment that comes to memory that you would characterize as, you know, very memorable, the best moment where it was just you and the cigar. What was that experience like? Where were you were? Tell us a little bit about that if you have one.
1: That's a great question. I I do really enjoy smoking a cigar by myself too and just having, you know, some alone time and maybe a book or some music. Um I'm trying to think. There's been there's been a bunch of those moments. Um I would say one that sticks out for me would probably be in the countryside of France, man. I back in my traveling days, I was uh I was backpacking around Europe and I ended up living in a uh a buddhist community outside of bordeaux that was started by (laughs) this vietnamese monk uh who just actually passed last month he was like 95 and uh he had been exiled from vietnam during the war and set up this community in france and it was one of the most beautiful it's called plum village outside of bordeaux france it was an old wine vineyard that uh they had purchased. And I at that time was smoking a lot of Monte Cristo number fours because that's that's all I uh, that's not all I could get, but that was more of the widely distributed Cuban cigars in Italy at the time when I was living there. So I had I had some packs on me and I was away from the uh the community at the time just watching the sunset. Out in a field smoking a Monty Four, watching the sunset. The sunsets there were were just breathtaking. So it's it's one of those moments you can you know you can still, even though it was twenty something years ago, it was still one that still stands out in my mind.
0: A Buddhist community in Bordeaux, France. That's gotta be yeah. the most random. Isn't that wild? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i it's, was
1: smoking cigars uh, yeah so you said i had you, to do it away from everybody so nobody saw me you know, <laughs> nobody saw me so you kept in touch with
0: these people though you said the 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 the, the monk uh, passed no pastor, i
1: followed or? them i haven't really kept in touch with them he's a pretty his name is Teeknot not han he's written a lot of books that have been on like new york bestsellers and stuff it's he he taught what they call mindfulness. So it wasn't just meditation and sitting meditation. It was pretty much everything you do, meditation, walking, meditation, working meditation. It was just more about being present in the moment. Um, So his teachings became pretty, pretty well known amongst those communities. uh, And I had the pleasure of being there while he was there uh, and to see, have lunch with them actually in the group and uh yeah he's pretty pretty cool guy but uh yeah i was there for maybe maybe almost a month there yeah That's just funny. showed up backpack and uh kind of welcomed me in
0: sounds like from his teachings that he was describing cigar smoking if you will. That's why yeah, <laughs> exactly
1: man. That's Mind- why my mindfulness being in the remote, moment, there. right? I also had my pipe on me there too. Because uh I had been living in Rome next to uh I had become very good friends with uh, a very famous pipe maker in Rome called Massimo Musico. And uh <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he had he had given me a uh, a beautiful pipe. I still have the pipe. It's one of my favorite pipes. Uh so, yeah, I had that. And then my, my usually I would have some Mani Fours because at that time, that's there were they would come in five packs, the Mani Four Patakas. They pretty much sold them. And, you know, the, the Italian government controls all the tobacco distribution. So you used to be able to get them at like these coffee slash kind of tobacco shops. So I always had some money Fours on me
0: nice nice well Nick that uh, leads us into our last question for the night and I can't thank you uh, That was that was didn't expect that it was you didn't I, expect that one right well I know I know you're incredibly well traveled so I thought the I, I I thought the answer would be unique um, and I was really excited to ask that's why I wanted even though we're kind of formally debuting it here in a couple of weeks I really just wanted to ask you the question because I figured you know you had in all your travels, you had some, and you you didn't disappoint. You, you know, you I, I thought you would have a cool story, and sure enough, you did. I just wasn't expecting a, a Buddhist uh, uh, monastery in, in rural Bordeaux. Bordeaux. <laughs> so um, that's that's fantastic. What a what a wonderful story. Um, <laughs> but that leads us into our curveball question for the night, and this is how we end each Uh-oh. show. It's our okay. it's sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs are curveballs, it doesn't Saka matter. Con. since the company's Saka inception, con. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Seven now, seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to Steve for that accomplishment. Uh, so we were actually talking. Funnily enough, this was not this was not planned because it was brought up. We were talking about manufacturing different cigars for different smokers, and we brought up the upsetters and things like that, but. That aside, uh, the question is pointed towards traditional, what we call traditional cigars. So traditional cigars uh, with, um, you know, which you're obviously foremost known for. But what is the weirdest flavor note that you've ever picked up in tobacco? And, you know, this is this is subjective. So it, you know, it's weird to you. Like we hear a lot of the classics. We hear that this tobacco has coffee notes and cream and spice and baking spice and wood and earth. And, and then, you know, when crazy people like me start reviewing cigars, you get, you know, you get all the weird flavor notes and stuff like that. But for you, what's the weirdest flavor note you've ever picked up um, on in tobacco that you've smoked?
1: Weirdest flavor note. It doesn't have to be like good, right?
0: No, it doesn't. Like I said, subjectively, open-ended question.
1: Weirdest flavor note and aroma. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, almost. I, I want to say like a body odor musty kind of flavor. <laughs> um, I'd rather not talk about the specifics of it.
0: Sure, no but, problem. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not asking to name names like who made the who grew the tobacco. or Right here to make you know enemies. Too, just
1: <laughs> musty is the overly musty. If that makes a. If that makes sense
0: kind of like that overly beet, that BO, like haven't bathed in months kind Alli- of, yeah yeah oh, God. not not as ple- pleasant That's you know <laughs> um
1: but you know everybody to me papaya has that kind of bo kind of flavor
0: it does it smells like
1: bo to me
0: it does Papaya. It, <sighs> Sorry, papaya, papaya like, lovers i like papaya i don't like the smell i don't like the smell like you're hundred percent. Right. I'm a
1: huge fan of the papaya. So I would say papaya.
0: Yeah. Papaya uh. notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. all you growers out there, if you have a wonderful tobacco that you just want to sample out to Nick and you're getting notes of papaya, just leave that, leave that one in the, in the, in the cure, you know, in the fermentation room, just leave it there. Just leave it in the pollone. And and you know, maybe pass it on to somebody else because Nick's not buying. So
1: <laughs> I think that's might might what, what they have done. I think they left it in the pylones too long. Oh, funny, funny. And it enough. got and it got too uh, it got too uh, got too moist.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah musty papaya. Musty papaya. Nice. So <laughs> The second part to this a question.
1: great way to no, <laughs> there's a second part to this question. Okay. This
0: one might be other, so you know, we again, this is kind of familiarity, right? You know, we talk about in similar flavor notes, but some things about cigars are also, you know, um, you know, are usually compared to cigars. So People compare cigars to wine or to coffee or to spirits and. And you know it has those those different. There's aroma and there's flavor and there's the way it hits the palate and things like that. What what food metaphor would you compare cigars to? And it might be one of the things I already mentioned. Like if this one's not trying to get a funky answer out of you. I'm just curious. So I'm sorry. Say this again. What what food what, metaphor? What, yeah. What food metaphor would you compare cigars to? Like what do you think? Like you know, would it or or and if again, this, eating food. Yeah. Like do you, do you compare it to cuisine? Would you compare it to? Would you compare it to winemaking? I mean, I know you're you're very worldly and well traveled, as we talked about earlier. You it's know, like-
1: very much like wine um, to food comparisons. I mean, if you're talking about a meal, I would say like a uh, you know like a prime rib or a nice ribeye. Sometimes, depending on the blends, mm-hmm. um, I like to see personally flavor profiles that have. This is not necessarily food. It's more like coffee kind Mm. of nutty kind of flavor profiles. Sure. I think nutty is definitely one that um, is one for me that comes up. um, And I tend to lean towards, especially when I'm blending stuff, those types of, you know, the cacao kind of, but sometimes cigars to me, they have that nice kind of like uh, meaty, like you're, you know, like you're eating a nice filet mignon. Mm,
0: Okay. So when you when you said nutty, that kind of like when I hear the term nutty, like my mind immediately goes to Cameroon tobacco because Cameroon has this very rich flavor. It's a very nutty. There's like I always pick yeah, up some kind I of. I Cameroon. So it, it's been quite the craze lately. Have you have you have you thought about or have you dabbled with that with blending with Cameroon before?
1: I have used it in the past. Excuse me. Um, and have blended with it but nothing that's um really come to market but Cameroon was one of my favorites um it was you know for a long time it's just was a challenge to get it um sure. you know the the kind of grades that were were needed um so not I'm not saying now I mean it's still one of those well more speaking of tobaccos years, to get yeah, right yes it's it's difficult um but I started again when i started smoking cameroon you know i was always a big uh, don carlos fan um when i first started smoking i was getting partagas Naturales. used to have cameroon and they were uncellophaned in the bot. i mean it was the, the the cameroon would have so much tooth on it and that's what i would always look for is just all the tooth in that wra- wrapper is just the, flavor pockets.
0: The freck- the freckles, the tooth.
1: Yeah, just yeah. oily and freckly. Um, so I actually am I'm kind of working on a few things behind the scenes. Um, so you might see something, but um, not quite sure yet. It's not finalized. So it depends on how, how far I get with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's definitely uh, one of those leaves I have my eye on.
0: Well, just the prospect of that, Nick, you got a lot of people excited. I'm telling you, man, it's been it's been all the rage uh, the last few years. And, you know, if you dipped your toe in that water, I know you, ha- you would have a lot of happy fans for sure. So that's uh,
1: what should I try that has Cameroon out that's out there?
0: Um, well, you know, you got the classics, like you mentioned, the Don Carlos for sure. I mean, I always go yeah. back. I always go back Love to those. Fuente. they they're kind of it's kind of the standard, right? When you come when it comes to yeah. Cameroon. Um, I've you know for your play, flavor profile, if he if he releases it again or if you can get a hold of some, I know it was a really it was a list it was released in in limited quantity, but James Brown did one for uh, Blackwork Studio called the Swarm. It was from swarm. that yeah, it was from that fa- the family. He so he has the killer bee, the green hornet. Yeah. And then he did the swarm. Yeah, I love what those was, guys are doing. Yeah, the swarm was Cameroon wrapped. And for your from what I know of you, um, and like some of the blends and some of the tobacco that you kind of gravitate towards, that richness, that deep, those deep flavor notes that you find in some of your blends that I know I'll you I'll have really to like. hit
1: James up. I'm yeah. I'm overdue for hitting James up down in Nicaragua. I didn't get a chance. Um I'll be down there in a in a week or so, so I'll have to hit them up and try to mooch some cigars.
0: The interesting project was uh, General uh, partnering with Espinosa, the Lazona factory, and they did the War Zone, and that oh, was really, really that was a Cameroon oh, wrapped cigar, that and that was a really that was a really good really good cigar. It totally different from the Swarm. The Swarm has that that very blackwork studio, deep in flavor you know, like that the depth and just yeah. robustness and you know that I think that I think would speak to your palate more. But I think the I think the war zone will bring kind of kind of be that in between of that elegant richness of like a Don Carlos and the, the deepness of the swarm. I think you might like so um you know of course Skip made the you know with Roma Craft made the Baca which made you know Baca. Yeah, that made my top 10 list this past year. So it was a, it, it's a very good blend too. Um skip would be, you know, it would be awful for me not to mention. I am not sure, a hundred percent. Um, I believe it is genuine African Cameroon, but you'd have to ask him on that. I can't I, for off the top of my head, I can't remember what he said if it was or not, because there's a lot of Cameroon seed being used in other places now, kind of like what we were talking about with like yeah, broadleaf being trying to uh, people trying to sure. you know, do broadleaf stuff and you know but uh but uh mr
1: j davis said the epic 10
0: what's up jay oh yeah the what's epic the, 10 uh, which yeah. one's the epic 10 dean parsons from epic cigars yeah aj, oh, AJ. okay well you yeah, might actually yeah. be able to get some of that because aj made that cigar for him his 10th anniversary dean's 10th anniversary cigar was a was a uh, um was a was a was a cameroon cigar and and jake corrected me here or or brought to my attention yeah Baca was actually uh cameroon from from mirafell so yeah so it was from you know same same family that you know that uh fuentes used for for all of their stuff so there you go good stuff
1: i have to uh, check this out i'm gonna get my hands on some of those
0: fantastic well, Nick, again, oh, thank man. you so much for your time. What a wonderful evening this has been. What a great conversation again. I thank you so much for all your time. I'm um, really looking forward to having you back. I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the trade show this year again. It'll be great to see you in Same person. here,
1: man. It's
0: been two looking years. forward
1: to
0: it. So too yeah, long. too long. Too
1: long. Too long, it's about time. Well, thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking, talking shop with you. And uh, I definitely hope we can uh, have a cigar sooner than later
0: sounds good to me so for everyone out there i really do appreciate your time and hanging out with us late as well all your likes shares comments and in between if you uh stay tuned to our uh el Fumar facebook page you'll see our calendar of upcoming guests uh including uh next week i'm really excited to welcome in a first-time guest who uh el, uh, el Fumar takes howard gums of howard g cigars uh some speaking of Cameroon, uh, he has a cigar called the Magic Stick that has a Cameroon wrapper, also very good. Then, nice. um, so I've been really enjoying those cigars. So I'm really excited to talk to Howard and uh, what he's doing uh, with his uh, small boutique brand, and uh and some NFL players have been uh, been been working with him on some cigars too. So it's been some pretty cool uh, pretty cool venture for him i'm really excited to sit down and hear his story and share that with my audience check us out on youtube alosa fumar as always you can hit the subscribe button always if you're checking us out on podcasts later you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts whether that be on apple podcasts google play spotify podbean iheart radio or, or wherever you listen to podcasts don't forget to hit the download subscribe and review button if you already are a subscriber do me a favor hit unsubscribe but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that helps my numbers so that I can keep getting great guests like my friend Nick here. So for everyone out nice. there, this was our 202nd take live, nice. live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Euless, Texas. I'm Barry Duplicity your host as always. He's Nick Melillo. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.